The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, May 26th. Coming up today. With less than a week till potential default, signs of compromise are forming on the debt ceiling. A Nobel Prize winning economist warns budget cuts will harm the country's future. Bets grow over another Fed rate hike this summer. And one prominent investor dumps NVIDIA shares before a record rally. I'm Amy Morris. New York City is opening new respite sites for migrants, and Connecticut lawmakers have passed an amended version of the governor's gun safety bill. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Easy win for the Mets. The Yankees lost NBA playoffs. The Celtics again stayed alive. They beat the Heat. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We now have less than a week until the U.S. could begin to default on its debts. And White House and Republican negotiators are still trying to reach an agreement on the debt ceiling. President Biden says progress is being made. Speaker McCarthy and I have had several productive conversations and our staffs continue to meet as we speak, as a matter of fact. And they're making progress. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is echoing President Biden's sentiments. We knew this will not, would not be easy. It's hard, but uh, we're working and we're going to uh, continue to work till we get this done. Speaker McCarthy says he'll work through the weekend to get a deal done. And now we're hearing the gap between both sides may be narrowing. Sources tell Bloomberg a framework is emerging that would include a two-year cap on federal spending while allowing defense spending to rise 3% next year. If a deal is announced soon, a vote in the House could come as early as Tuesday. Well, meantime, Nathan, we have a warning from Paul Krugman on the debt crisis. The Nobel Prize winning economist says negotiators risk undermining the nation's prosperity by cutting spending on programs like education and child nutrition. What's happening right now is that in the effort to hold down headline spending right now, we're actually kind of disinvesting in, in the country's future. And that's, that's pretty alarming. Paul Krugman made the comments in an interview with David Weston on Bloomberg's Wall Street. We catch the program today at 6 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Okay, let's turn to the broader economy, Karen, because we're going to get an inflation report today that is closely watched by the Federal Reserve. That's as investors rethink the chances of a rate pause. Let's get the details now with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Hi, Nathan. The investors now betting we're going to see another rate increase in the next two months. This is a view shared by Althea Spinozzi of Saxo Bank. We believe that there is one last rate hike that the Federal Reserve has to deliver. It's going to be either in June and July. She's looking at the latest data. It's resilient and suggests policymakers will have to keep their foot on the brakes to slow the economy further to battle inflation. Well, the narrative hasn't been easy to follow. You have Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying just last week his team could afford to keep monitoring data. That actually sounded a little dovish and suggests a pause at the next meeting. And now we can throw into the mix the Fed's preferred inflation measure. The PCE deflator will be out this morning 
Bloomberg Economics says the data will probably show elevated inflation. It will make the Fed's job that much more difficult. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, banks also remain in focus this morning. J.P. Morgan Chase has notified about 1,000 First Republic employees that they will not have jobs after its takeover of the failed lender. Sources say the biggest U.S. bank offered full-time or transitional roles to almost 85% of the nearly 7,000 employees still working at First Republic when it collapsed. The rest have been told they will not get offers. In the meantime, another bank, Morgan Stanley, is letting go of at least six managing directors, Karen, including some key China bankers. It's part of broader job cuts the bank has been making in Asia. Deal-making in the region has suffered due to growing tensions between the U.S. and China, combined with tepid economic growth. Well, Nathan, two banks in New York are seeing less money coming in from this city. The New York City Banking Commission has voted to prohibit additional city deposits at Capital One Financial and Key Corp's Key Bank for up to two years. That's after the banks failed to submit plans demonstrating efforts to combat discrimination. And we get the story from from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. At its first ever public hearing, the commission extended conditional designation to Capital One and Key Bank, which will allow them to service existing accounts for one year. The commission also deemed 26 banks eligible to hold the city's deposits and contract to provide banking services to city agencies for the next two years. According to a statement from New York City Controller Brad Lander's office, as of the end of April, Capital One held $7.2 million in city deposits across 108 accounts. KeyBank held $10 million across three accounts. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Turning to the markets now, we're learning that one prominent investor missed out big on NVIDIA's recent rally. Kathy Wood's flagship exchange-traded fund closed out its NVIDIA stake in early January. Since then, the chipmakers added around $560 billion in market cap, the last $200 billion of which came on yesterday's AI-related earnings surge. Although Wood holds NVIDIA across several smaller funds, investors in her flagship ARK Innovation ETF have mostly been left out of this year's 160% rally. Meantime, Nathan, another chipmaker is surging on the artificial intelligence craze. Shares of Marvell Technology are up about 16.5%. The company said it expects revenue from AI to soar this year. Marvell says sales of AI-related products will at least double in its current fiscal year. Adjusted earnings for the first quarter also came in above analyst estimates. Well, outside chips, Karen, shares of Gap are on the move this morning as well. They're rising about 12% in early trading. The retailer reported better-than-expected earnings while margins improved in the first quarter. Gap's been reducing headcount and trimming expenses. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. New York City now opening respite sites for migrants. They serve as waiting rooms until the migrants can be placed somewhere more stable. One site is called St. Bridget's. It's a shuttered Catholic school in the East Village. Sayev Colina is a migrant from Venezuela and tells New York One through a translator that conditions are rough, but he is hopeful. The hardest part about being here is to be without work. We don't sleep well, any of us. 
Those that have become citizens are lucky. They're in a stable place. The mayor's office says New York City is receiving hundreds of migrants each day, even though there is just no room left to house them. Connecticut lawmakers in the State House of Representatives signed off on an amended version of Governor Lamont's gun safety legislation. The bill includes a tighter definition of prohibited military-style rifles. It reduces places where gun owners are allowed to carry their weapons in public. It includes safe storage requirements and limits permit holders to buying no more than three weapons each month. Representative Steve Staffstrom tells the Connecticut Post that the legislation is the most comprehensive gun safety measure since the 2013 response to the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre. Former Donald Trump campaign strategist Steve Bannon will go on trial in New York next May on state charges that he defrauded contributors to a fund to build a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Bannon faces money laundering, fraud, and conspiracy charges. His trial will follow that of the former president on unrelated charges in quick succession and in the run-up to next year's presidential election. New Jersey Assembly Speaker Craig Coughlin has introduced a proposal that would cut property taxes for most senior citizens in half while also helping to pay for their health insurance. His proposal is called Stay NJ. Its goal is to prevent seniors from moving out of New Jersey. The proposal would provide an income tax credit of 50 percent of the property tax bill for New Jersey residents. Governor Phil Murphy vows to veto what he calls an irresponsible bill if it reaches his desk. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Amy. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Things are getting very interesting in this Celtics Heat East Final Series because the Celtics are now halfway towards doing something no NBA team has done in 150 attempts. Boston already has the only baseball team to win a series after trailing 3 0. And now, 19 years after the Red Sox come back on the Yankees, the Celtics have won games four and five. It was easy in Boston, 110 to 97 over Miami. Celtics led by 24 in the fourth quarter. They had four players score over 20 points, including Jalen Brown. Our back has been against the wall. Obviously, we didn't imagine being in this position, being down 3 0. But, you know, when adversity hits, you get to see, like, what a team is really made of. And, I mean, it couldn't get no worse than being down 3-0. Game six tomorrow in Miami. Denver Nuggets await the winner. Dallas Stars also stayed alive. A 3-2 overtime win. Vegas still leads that Stanley Cup West Final Series. 3-1, and that was the final at the stadium. 3-1, Orioles beating the Yankees. Kyle Gibson threw seven scoreless innings. Clark Schmidt pitched well but fell to 2-5. and five. Yanks are starting a rookie tonight against San Diego in the Bronx, Randy Vasquez. The Mets will have Max Scherzer going tonight at Colorado. The Mets just salvaged one in Chicago. Easy win over the Cubs, 10-1. 15 hits the night after getting only four. One of the hits of Pete Alonso home run, his 19th. When we last saw Michael Block... The 46-year-old had a hole-in-one, capping four terrific rounds at the PGA Championship, and that earned the club pro from California an invite to play the Colonial in Dallas. Back to reality. Yesterday, block shot 81. He's in last place already. 19 shots behind the leader, the Brit Harry Hall. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, and we are just days from a potential U.S. default. As negotiators continue debating a debt limit deal, Congress is taking its scheduled Memorial Day recess. Michigan Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, for one, is not happy that lawmakers are leaving their posts with no agreement in place. Dingell says she won't attend a family event in Italy this weekend to ensure she is ready for a potential vote. Debbie Dingell discussed the negotiations and the risks of a U.S. default with our Joe Matthew and Kaylee Lines on Bloomberg Sound On. Let's bring you part of that discussion now. We can not default. We have no choice. Uh, Republicans have got to come to the table. We have to get this done. I am sick of the drama that happens in this city, the showdowns that we always have. And I, I am just, we have to get it done. We have no choice but to get this done. And we should be getting it done today. We should have gotten it done long before this. But uh, as your economists are telling you, businesses are telling you, my constituents who range from a whole lot of different, my small businesses, my larger businesses, people, my retirees with savings accounts. We know all the people that are going to be impacted by this, people who are on Social Security. We cannot do this to the American people, to the American economy. We have to get this deal done. We spoke with uh, Congressman Jim McGovern uh, two days ago about this. He said he's a no vote if additional work requirements end up in the deal. Are Are you worried about what President Biden might agree to? I believe that President Biden is in touch with the Democrats in this caucus. He knows what matters. He is fighting for those values. I believe no matter where you are in the spectrum inside the Democratic Party, we share those same values. And I believe he is going to not agree to anything that the majority of our caucus cannot support, or that's what I, you know, I am very hopeful of. He does know how our caucus feels. I know that. He talks to us regularly. But Congresswoman, as he needs to compromise in theory to get to get a deal done, are you willing to vote for whatever it is that the president does agree to, to avoid a default? I will never say that I will vote for something I have not seen. That is irresponsible for any elected official. Um, I, I know how important it is not to default on the loan, on our debt ceiling. I keep calling this loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, that we cannot default. But I really do have to see what is in that bill and what the impact is going to be on our people. And I think that it is very important that people understand right now that we cannot negotiate a package to appease the far right of the Republican Party who are never going to vote for this agreement anyway. Mm. We need to be negotiating a deal that helps the working men and women of this country across the country. That is what both parties need to be focused on, not 
to a very far right group of people that are never going to vote for this bill ever. Congresswoman, are you worried that we could see another downgrade? Would it would, would it be irresponsible of a credit ratings agency, given the deadlock we are seeing in Washington on this issue at the moment, to say that our credit creditworthiness has been impaired? I want to say something to you all that and, and take a bigger picture. I think the uh, political divide in this country, I think this lack of civility is a, a significant factor every day now in business decisions that are being made. People are looking at states that have more of the political division than other states. They're making decisions about where they are locating plant. I'm a car girl. You know that. Decisions about where manufacturing facilities are going to be located, where people are opening their businesses. This is people that you look at the state of Florida and how bitterly divided that they are. I I think we all need to understand I'm an American first. I'm not a Democrat or, and my friends on the other side of the aisle are Republicans. We're Americans and we need to be working together for the American people. This political divide is poisoning us and it is hurting us in many ways. What are you going to do in the next couple of days while you wait for something to happen? I'm going to be sitting here in my office and, in Washington, D.C. My godmother's daughter has promised me she's going to send me video live of what is happening. But we need to come together. We need to make sure we never get in this position again. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.